welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. Emojigate, I think we should get into that. Have you been following it much? Yeah, sort of. I saw, like, the initial post, there was an initial post of somebody getting rejected that went up on Twitter, and that sort of seemed a bit odd, you know, like, okay, um sort of thinking out loud or do i have any emojis in any of my app store sort of screenshots or anything at all and then i don't know i was expecting to sort of like for them to to get through to another line of of review and then post that it would be sorted out i I suppose just to clarify for any people listening um this is about the think the uh, app store rejection that took place over emojis being used in screenshots when um when i first saw it I initially thought it was just a mistake. A, you know, app, one person with an app review made a mistake, and it'll probably just get rectified when it goes through again or something. But it seems like Apple kind of dug their heels in a little bit, which I don't know. It struck me as a little bit heavy-handed. I guess you pro- feel similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, I sort of feel a bit odd about it because they never behave this way when somebody happens to use system fonts, for example, which are also no doubt copyrighted obviously that would be a bit weird you know if you if, if you were to get rejected because you're displaying something that is in a text text field and is on screen just because it's using their font and it just feels weird to me that they're they're treating emojis as this kind of sort of separate case i think the main sticking point is not necessarily them being used like naturally as text in an app but i think it seems to be where people are using them to, to sort of highlight things and, and and use them as sort of additional bits on the screenshots yeah, the, the impression I've got is, like you said, if, say you've got a text field in your app, say you've got a messaging app, and someone someone types in an emoji as part of their message um, via the keyboard, then that's fine. That's kind of like fair game, um, which to, to me sounds reasonable. Okay, cool. So then we think about, let's say I've got a like a UI label in my app, and then I decide to put an emoji within that, more like an icon within my app design. I think that's that's kind of where Apple took issue. And yeah, I can kind of see where they're coming from in that you're using their emojis as almost like iconography in your app design. So yeah, when when you look at it in black and white terms, yeah, okay, sure, Apple do have a point, maybe, but it's like it's like come on, really? This <laughs> is this is your this is your platform, an app on your platform that your users are using that are familiar with your platform, and surely these emojis reinforce that familiarity because yep. emojis are absolutely everywhere right now. Um, I, I just can't seem to get away from them everywhere I go. There's emoji. I mean, I resisted them when they first came in. I was one of those people that was like, no, you know, we've been using uh colon bracket for smileys for the last 20 years or whatever i don't need an emoji (laughs) no and i find myself using them more and more these days and it's just becoming more and more natural and yeah it just feels a little bit off that they're they're being so heavy-handed over this because i don't know this is the way people are speaking and interacting now and that's kind of their fault as well (laughs) you know apple have pushed (laughs) pushed emojis and expanded the amount of available ones and set forth, you know, additions to, to Unicode and everything to include new ones. So, yeah, it, it just it just feels a bit wrong, I guess. This is the only way I can really articulate it. Yeah, um, I think if you're using kind of the emojis 
as you know, like if you're using uh, like the emoji fonts, that's that's fine. If you were, if you were say, creating your own little JPEGs of their emoji and saving them as assets in your app and then dropping them in, I can begin to see why Apple would have a problem with that. That seems a little bit like, well, that's not really what they're for, and they're ours, so don't be doing that. I can kind of understand that. I was going to say, that sort of time capsules them as well. If if Apple update the emoji font, then that wouldn't get updated. Precisely, yeah. And that's that's a yeah. very valid reason for Apple to have a problem with it. Um, even more so, if you're then taking those images and, say, using them on, like, an Android app. And you can see why a developer may want to do this. Um, let's say you, you've got a cross-platform messaging app, and you want to have your UI look more or less identical both on iOS and Android and you just choose to use Apple's emoji because you like them, if you were to start making little JPEGs of them and shipping them in your Android app, again, yeah, I can see why Apple would have a big problem with that. Um, But I think just in this case, using them sort of scattered around your UI in a tasteful manner, using them in the proper way, i.e. not just creating little JPEGs out of them, using them properly. So if Apple were to upgrade the emoji your UI kind of upgrades with them. Um, yeah, yep. I think that's fine. I mean, if you were, yeah, if you were to look at it in pure black and white terms, yes, they are apples, and yes, they can copyright them, but yeah, I think it's just a bit like, you know, come on, play, play the game. <laughs> it's, it's not that bad, is it? Yeah. And, you know, it d- does kind of benefit Apple, I think, as well, if their emoji are kind of part of their overall design language, and that's then being utilised by developers kind of creates a, a nice continuity throughout their ecosystem which i'm not sure why they've got a problem with it absolutely and i think really if we're talking about things like screenshots for apps that are going into their app store really is that so bad the, the, the time capsule effect that i mentioned before that would still apply you know if you don't update your app then and they update the fonts then your screenshots are going to get kind of out of date after a point but Again, they have App Store reviews, so the next time you go to update the app, if you've not kept your emojis and your screenshots up with the times, then they could reject it at that point. Yeah, and again, that would be fair game, I would I would say. Yeah, um, so there's this sort of fine line where, where I think there's a kind of, no, come on, they need to lay something out that is more of a sort of fair use kind of policy. And I think that needs to be more inclusive of these sort of types of uses in terms of when you're actually on Apple's platform within their app store, their ecosystem, then surely they should just be able to chill out a little bit on it, really. But I think potentially where this could go over time, if this carries on being the policy, is that you'll see developers using third-party emoji fonts because then they can you know, do all of these things and not fall foul of of Apple's uh, rejection at that point. But if I've gone to the effort of using those fonts sort of anywhere within the app, then I might choose to just use them throughout. You know, if I've got to use a third-party emoji font in the first place, then it may be a case that I'm going to try and use that um, anywhere and everywhere that I would use emojis so that my whole app looks consistent. And at which point I'm then outside of, of Apple's providings in the ecosystem for emoji. And so Apple has lost at that point in terms of, of, of their overall platform and pushing their uh, sort of design aesthetic and everything else. I've, I've gone outside of them there. And so I think at the moment that 
a community-driven emoji font comes forth that sort of saves all of these problems with, with App Store review, that would actually be a point where Apple would lose. You know, if, if every developer sort of started going that way and using that sort of an effort instead, then they've shot themselves in the foot at that point. They've driven that, that behavior um, and, and taken people away from their ecosystem. So I hope that sort of some sanity prevails before things sort of get into that point because I've, I found myself sort of looking and thinking, well, okay, if I want to use emoji in this way, can I just sort of go to, I don't know, creative commons fonts or wherever, you know, <laughs> find something I can drop in and sort of move on with my life. Um, it's not the sort of thing I think people should be having to worry about. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like common sense is required here at some point. Yeah. It's just like, you know, some, some, someone someone fairly high up at Apple, let's say Phil Schiller or whoever, just needs to be like, all right, enough's enough. It's fine. You can use the emojis. We're just going to chill out about it here. We're sorry. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Plenty more things to be worried about, I'm sure, than, you know, a stupid emoji in the scheme of things. Do you, do you see what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, footnote, here is the page with all of the legal requirements where if you are using them, like we said before, in, in a sense of you're shipping them out to other platforms or doing whatever, then yes, they'll come down on you for that. But yeah, broad message needs to be, it's fair game when you're on the platform. Use them, I, I think. Yeah, I, I would be like, please use them. Please use them wherever you'd like <laughs> because it, yeah. it kind of, it, it makes our emoji seem more prevalent and better. Um, it would be nice if there were like an open standard, I think, just across all the all the operating systems or yeah, every, anywhere you go, if there were just one common set of emoji because um, quite a common one, I think, is, what's it called? It's called Face with Tears of Joy. Uh, yes. <laughs> and that I think that's one of the most popular ones. I see it quite a lot. Um, and it might, it, you know, if Apple have kind of got their implementation of emoji and Google have got theirs and someone else has got theirs, then the very small details of each emoji could differ slightly. So if I was to send you a message using Apple's emoji, but then you receive it on, uh, say, an Android device and then your emoji comes through looking different, there could be lost meaning there. Yeah. Um, which makes me a little bit uncomfortable considering that a lot of the large part of, well, the whole point of emoji is that you don't really need to type words. It's like just use these little symbols and it will convey meaning. It's like when we're relying on individual vendors' implementation of emoji to convey that meaning, it can potentially cause a bit of upset, I suppose, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, very much. I think it can be that fine line between, you know, knowing whether somebody is laughing with you or at you sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, it just sort of feels like, well, uh, this this just doesn't feel like to me like like a problem that Apple should be starting in some ways and that they should be sort of driving things to to try and just make these, these sort of emoji more universal because they can. Yeah, they're big enough to take it. They They don't need to i don't think they need to be being as aggressive as they are with it it sort of feels like they they could take a higher path with this and kind of just be be cool you know all right so just before christmas you might recall we uh we had a conversation about some new apps we were going to be building and i think we said that sort of come the end of february we might have prototypes of each of our apps um so i figured yeah. that would be a pretty good time to check in um, so not not to put you on the spot, Dave. How's it going? Um, well, it wasn't, and now it is. I think is probably uh, kind of kind of a fair view. So, 
uh, January things um, were a lot busier, sort of in my day job than I expected. Um, I've had a couple of big projects, um, been working hard to get stuff done on those. And the end result of that is that I've sort of felt quite fried, actually, when, when I sort of get to the end of the day. And that has meant that sort of time for side projects has been, it just hasn't been there. So I've done sensible things like trying to make sure I just chill out, watch some TV, unplug, read a book, that sort of stuff, um, which, yeah, hasn't left an awful lot of time for side projects. But I've been coming back to it over the last sort of 10 days or so. Um, and my my little app, which we spoke about before, it's a, an app to sort of use your phone as a mirror, which is not earth-shattering at all. It is literally the front-facing camera with some nice sort of little tweaks and features to make it easier to use in that way. Um, but that app is it's now a prototype. And I think I'm going to stand a reasonable chance of having a, a sort of full prototype by the end of February. So going back to our original kind of goals for this, which was just to sort of get stuff going and get things shipping, um, I think I'm kind of within parameters. So, yay. So, yeah, the, the app is is taking form at the moment i've put a bit of um bit of effort into just making sure that the architecture of the app is quite similar to some of the ways that i've been working um sort of within the day job um over over at paperkite because i've had one eye on this sort of cognitive um switching where where you're going from from one way of working to another, and if I'm going to do something as a side project and fit it in around everything else, then I want that to be very very minimal. So, I'm using a very very similar type of architecture to what I would use during the day, and that is it is a coordinator pattern with MVC. So, I've got model view controller, and I'm instantiating the view controllers via coordinator objects which sort of control the flow of the app i think i've potentially got a bit of a blog post or something sort of cooking in my head as i go through all of this because i'm sort of starting to um kind of codify exactly what this type of architecture and design pattern sort of means to me um and how i'm applying that certainly within my own app i've sort of been writing down like a, a series of rules you know the coordinator can only do x View controllers can only do Y, that sort of thing, um, just to sort of try and keep things sensible. But let's not overblow this. It is a small app, and um, so I'm, I'm trying not to sort of get too heavy with with lots of sort of esoteric kind of setups or anything. Yeah, so I'm, I'm quite pleased. I've, I've got my sort of the main view of the app is starting to come on now, uh, which is just this forward-facing camera part. And then it's going to have a settings screen. It's going to have um, a place where you can look at um, snaps that you've taken of yourself as well. So a photo gallery. Uh, and then the next bit of work on that is going to be sort of setting up an onboarding screen that you'll see when you first launch the app. And that is, to be honest, it's not because the app is complicated to use. It's actually to sort of push people towards whether they want it with ads or not with ads, at the same time as kind of educating them in how the app works. So I kind of got, got in mind this sort of unified sort of onboarding, but then you will then see at the end of the, that flow 
a couple of buttons to sort of select, okay, do you want to have the full version or do you want to have ads supported? Um, so that's pretty much the first thing the user will see. Yeah, but I think by doing this and putting this sort of effort into thinking about, um, let's say, about the architecture and setup of the app as well, sort of laying down a set of parts and bits of a project that I can then kind of reuse uh, for other ideas sort of as the year goes on as well. So, so that, that sort of feels positive. And I guess that there's going to be bits that I learn within this as well that I can then bring back into any other project um, that may need this sort of over in Paperkite as well. So that, that's a positive too. Like I said, I don't want to overblow it. It's, it's just a little bit of hacking here and there, um, but it sort of feels like positive stuff. And hopefully by the end of Feb, I'll have that prototype and maybe we can sort of start looking at, at sort of people in our waiting for review slack for potential test users for it as well because you know even though it is a small app i would still like people to to kind of try and break it before i put it out into the world so maybe maybe we could be recruiting through test flight and i'd certainly be happy to hear from anybody who wants to sort of give it a little spin as well um so when it's ready for that be absolutely thrilled to sort of send it to anybody who does want to give it that time very nice sounds like you're busy yeah, a little bit. Um, no, hope, let's say hopefully a full app, not not too long from now. How about you, Dave? Where, where are things with your game? Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, been, <laughs> I've been quite bad. <laughs> um, I've put in quite a, quite a small amount of work on my game so far. Um, I think I think my kind of priorities have, have shifted a little bit um, from when we last spoke about this um, for a couple of reasons. Part number one is I've been working on what I'm kind of calling Armchair Pro. The idea is that I'll replace the current version of my app, which is in the App Store. I'll take that off of sale and replace it with Armchair Pro. We kind of spoke about this in a previous episode about the reasons why, but just to quickly recap, it seems that the current version of Armchair is absolutely buried in the search rankings in the App Store um, to the point where if you type in Kodi Remote, it's in position number like 20 or, or even worse. The reasoning behind this, I think, is because there was a lot of one-star reviews that the app accrued, mostly because people couldn't get it to connect to Kodi. Um, just because there's a few levers you need to pull within Kodi to make the app connect to it, period. I've since developed an onboarding process um, which helps people understand this and it helps them get Kodi set up so everything works. And the good news is the one-star reviews have ceased. So I can feel good about that. That's like the onboarding process awesome. has done its job. But I worry that the damage has been done to the point where my sort of average app store rating is is pretty bad when you think about it. So I've been kind of working on Armchair Pro, which I'm hoping to do as paid up front as well. So it'd be cool to see how that works out. I've also been working on new app previews for it as well. So I've been kind of getting my, my video editing hat on, which always surprises me how difficult video editing is. Yeah, You kind of start with a vague sort of germ of an idea. It's very hard, I find, to actually get what's in your head to appear in, well, I'm using iMovie, so to get that actually to appear in iMovie. I think I'm getting better at it as as time's gone on. Kind of excited to see how how that helps. Um, Interestingly, though, I've made the app preview landscape, even though I've got a portrait app. Not sure how that's going to go through app review. Again, we'll have to see. <laughs> I right. don't see any rules against it specifically, but you know what we've just seen with emoji. Who knows what's going to happen through app review? So, <laughs> but the idea is is that when you appear in the app store listings, as opposed to having sort of small screenshots in portrait that appear, 
the the landscape app preview will take the entire space and it will start auto-playing. So I'm trying to, A, make myself stand out by having one big thing as opposed to three little screenshots. And also I'm kind of banking on the fact that it starts auto-playing, that it might grab people's attention and I can quickly show within the first couple of seconds all the stuff that it can do really quickly and then go into more detail about each one. Yeah, that's kind of coming to a close now. That's kind of wrapping up. So that's partly what I've been up to while not working on my game. <laughs> the, other part, <laughs> the other part I've been working on is um, our new website for the podcast. That's went live last week. I think, well, it's been it live. Did, yeah. It's, well, we, we kind of soft launched it, didn't we? So it's kind of been there. DNS has been pointing at it for quite a while. But we've repointed our RSS feed now to it. Um, so that's where our RSS lives. Um, all of our audio is now on S3. And now I think it's fair to say we've kind of got complete control over our site, which is awesome. So, um, and... If you pay close attention to it, hopefully you'll see us doing more things like adding transcripts to to each episode. Um, I think we're going to start on sort of the newish episodes um, and yeah. episodes going forward, but for the 50-odd that come before it, uh, that might take some time. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with the transcripts, you can either kind of take what gets automatically generated by text-to-speech tools and they kind of look and read a bit weird. Or the other option is you just have to manually go through it to get a decent result. And that's where I'd like it to end. I'd like us to get to a decent result on all of them. But I think the, re- the reality is that's going to be that's going to be a long way off at this point. Yeah, I think so. Um, it just it does take quite a while to, to get a decent transcript. But I think it's going to be worth it. I'm, I'm, I think the changes you've made to the site, uh, well, not changes, the, the whole site itself um, is awesome it's, it's really cool that we've we've got this update to 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 what we've had um i mean like where we were with fireside before was was okay you know for fireside are a very good platform but having this kind of control and being able to put whatever we want onto the site is is brilliant and and yeah it's it's been great to sort of see the the, the fruits of your labor really dave no, I'm, I'm um, pleased with how it's turned out. I mean, again, I want to just kind of retouch on what you just said there about Fireside. I mean, us moving away from Fireside isn't really a negative reflection on it. Um, I think it, it got us started. It allowed us to focus on actually doing what we're doing right now and talking every week. Um, but I think kind of given that we're both developers, I think it was kind of inevitable that in the end we were going to roll our own system one way or another. So, yeah, that's kind of the two things I've been I've been working on, really. The, our kind of podcast website and trying to give armchair the kind of revamp um for this year and you know you, you might be thinking that okay well essentially all i've done is make a wordpress theme and tweak an app that you know lightly tweak an app that already exists and make a video and now we're already part way into february but basically the way kind of my life is at the minute i just don't really i don't really have a lot of time just in general i guess like a, a recap of my life situation is i'm kind of like a stay-at-home dad slash indie dev my wife is a teacher so while she's out um teaching during the kind of the school day i take care of our son and then my kind of indie work happens around that so for me that's a it's a big challenge to balance balance my time for sure but also i need to kind of realize how incredibly lucky i am to have this opportunity to firstly be able to hang out with my son so much i mean he's only a toddler so it's kind of cool to see him kind of rapidly grow up at this stage and secondly it's awesome to be able to have the opportunity to work on my own ideas and and projects so while it is a challenge i'm deeply deeply grateful for it 
and life has kind of been like this for about a year now. It kind of went Pre- when a year on. Pretty much since we started the podcast, isn't it? So yeah, it's been when I look back on it over the last year, it's been kind of weird in how I've how I've kind of identified with myself. Like when I was working my regular job, I was just I was a web developer. The idea was is that I would then leave that job, take care of our son during the day while my wife teaches, and I would get my own web development clients. That was kind of the easy conclusion to come to. It's like you were a web developer for a company, now you're going to be helping out more at home. So it makes sense to get your own web clients because that's what you did before. And the, the, the reality is, is that the amount of time I've got available, it's been hard to take on projects of any real substance, like even, even the smaller ones that I have taken on, it's been really tight for time and, you know, clients are clients say they want stuff quickly they want stuff turned around and I've struggled and found it quite stressful to do that Um, especially when you know there's the work to do with a client waiting on it and I can't get to it because you know I'm I'm busy I I can't I'm gonna take care of my son so yeah and when I when I can get to it I've got a very narrow window of time so like when maybe he takes a nap in the afternoon (laughs) I've got like an hour maybe two tops to (laughs) rush through this work bottom line i think i underestimated how much work it would be fair enough how how consuming it would be sort of taking care of taking care of our son during the day i think i've had to reconsider how i'm best to proceed just it just in general like i guess my conclusion is that i i'm going to kind of ease off on the whole getting web clients in i've kind of come to realize and it's taken me a year to realize this which is kind of weird but my time is incredibly scarce really outside of what i kind of do during regular sort of office hours probably i think it's probably too i've got too little time available to realistically be taking on clients it almost feels irresponsible if i did now i've kind of had a year to work out sort of where where the land lies if that makes sense so i think really the best approach for me is outside of taking care of charlie during the day while my wife teaches um is to just to go all in on making apps for myself you know there's a few yeah. benefits to that the apps can make some money that's cool <laughs> um also always good yeah um it could give me a load of experience should I want to go into an employed iOS position in you know a couple of years uh, one year two years three years whenever that may be most of all um, I really like it I just love making iOS apps and I think we touched on this before didn't we on one show when one of my web web projects finished and I was like really pleased I was like ah oh, yeah you know the web project's over now I can I can get back to what I actually want to do and yeah when I look back on that that should have been like the, the the big signal it was like come on this is this is kind of this is where you want to where you want to be yes and I should have probably recognised that I mean it's, not, it's like it's, I said at the time it's not like I hate doing web development work but it's kind of it's not the same to me it's anyway. really hard to see it's really can be really hard to see this stuff sort of when you've you've kind of got this view of um, who you are what it is that you do and and you know a day job a job that you are at for the you know the majority of your working time if that is not aligned with where you really want to be, then you're in the job for too too much of your time to necessarily see outside of that. And then if you've carried forwards a bit of that view into this this last year, into this new phase, um, you know, okay, you've got dad mode during the day. Um, and then outside of that, your view of yourself in work mode is sort of like this, it's this residual that's left over from the job you've left. Uh, I can totally see that it, it could take some time to sort of really figure out, okay, well, you know, wh- where do I really want to be? And to sort of stop thinking of yourself as that web dev as well, because I had a very similar thing to this when I was working um, in my former analytics job at British Gas. 
that I left in in uh, the middle of 2016. Um, in that, despite I'd left that to go and take on um, at the time to take on a bit of iOS contracting work, and despite going that that making that leap and going that that route, um, and then working on my own stuff as well. When we were looking for jobs over here in New Zealand, initially I was looking at analytics jobs uh, rather than looking at iOS development jobs because I still had this sort of residual of, well, that's where the vast majority of my career has been. And, you know, that that sort of feels like feels like what I should do to sort of get the right kind of income and wage as well, because that's where, like I say, they've got all this this kind of proven career history and experience. And it was still how I was thinking of myself as well. I think is my point is is that that sort of residual self image as it were from that that career was hanging over me and lo and behold it was actually the iOS development that um that got us out from the UK and here to New Zealand so I guess I can only say really just just yeah it's good that you've reached this point this this kind of realization of exactly where you want to be um and sort of how that fits and relates to to what you're doing as well in terms of of you know full time full time dad duties during the day, it's just great you've you've kind of reached that realization now. Yeah, I I don't think kind of slogging it out, trying to take on jobs that you don't really want to do, whilst also sort of wishing that time away so you can get into the iOS work as well. <laughs> it's, it's just not going to be productive over time, you know. Yeah, it doesn't scale. I think it's probably a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but equally, you know, I. Like, I I wouldn't beat yourself up over it sort of taking a year or whatever because I did feel pretty stupid. It's not that but 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 it's not that it's taken a year. Um you've had a year where you've transitioned into leaving behind that old job and being full time on the job dad during the day. Whilst, you know, the, the the web client stuff is sort of you around the edges of that, sort of trying to to make sure you're still bringing in a bit of income and you know, meanwhile the iOS stuff things like this podcast and that side of stuff has also been sort of trying to grab your attention. It doesn't surprise me that it can take a while and can take that long before really the penny drops. Yeah. I think, (laughs) I think the word you use residual about, you know, how your old career can stick with you. I think that's, you hit the nail on the head there with that. I've been struggling that when people say to me, so, so, you know, what do you do? And it's like, yeah, what what, what do I do? Like, (laughs) yeah, really struggling to kind of self identify with like what, what what actually am I? What what do I? Who am I? What what do I do? And um, <laughs> like, before, like this time last year, or this time last year plus a few months, it was easy because I say, oh, I'm a web developer, and they're like, oh, okay, cool, that's an acceptable answer. Conversation over. And <laughs> now it's kind of yep. like, so what do you do? And it's like, ah, uh, well, um, <laughs> well, I don't know really. It's kind of like I do. I look after um, my son during the day, and then when my wife comes home, I generally. Um, we sort of tag team and I go upstairs and I sort of do web development work for some people and I make my own iPhone apps and I do this podcast with someone in New Zealand and um, yeah that's kind of what I do (laughs) (laughs) and they're like oh okay there's no immediate box that I can put you in (laughs) yeah where where do I pigeonhole you you're you're like this weird outlier (laughs) and it's like yeah I suppose I am (laughs) Um, yeah which I kind of like in a way it's kind of different um but it does make for some interesting conversations when you, you know you meet someone for the first time and they ask you what you do. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think. Uh, I think I've just been through this like massive identity crisis. Essentially, it's kind of what's happened, um, and now I kind of feel like 
I can more in my head when Thomas says to me, "What do I do?" I'm more inclined to say, "Oh, I'm a iPhone developer," um, or, or or whatever. Um, I feel more inclined to say that now as I was to say I make websites. Yeah, I guess that's progress. Um. <laughs> uh. I think it's um, I think it's a positive overall though because I know that if you're trying to balance, like say, client work that you're not necessarily that enamoured with doing alongside looking after your son alongside also having all of these indie ideas for iphone apps as well you gotta feel like you're never fully present after a point like the client work is sort of nagging at you while you're looking after your son yeah um you're then potentially doing the client work but you know you've got a small window of time before you're either back on duty again um as dad mode or you know, you might actually want to have some downtime. That could be later in the evening. Charlie's asleep, and you're trying to get stuff done. Um, yeah, so that never being fully present thing is is not. It's a fact of of kind of trying to split yourself across that many different roles and across roles that don't necessarily fit. That that being the the web developer with clients role, you're never fully present. And so that then has all these sort of other negative impacts on on the bits you do want to be present for. Yeah, I've I've been there. Um, When I was at British Gas and not loving it, loving bits of the job, but but on the whole, you know, it was was a mixed bag of stuff and there was a lot of bits that I really didn't enjoy. And I was reading on developing iPhone apps on my lunch hour you know, I was kind of listening to iPhone development podcasts on the way into work. And if my brain was still rattling on thinking about iPhone development stuff whilst I was um, in meetings and doing all the other stuff I had to do when I was there, I would tap notes to myself um, on my phone and kind of save those notes and look back through them on the evening. And yeah, I, I think there was a lot of time certainly in the last sort of year or so in that job that I wasn't wasn't present there. And then in family life outside of that as well, I was then potentially still sort of trying to think about all the, the iOS stuff and crank on with that because I've sort of been denied during the working day. Um, so, yeah, all I can say really is this this is a good thing. I think this is going to mean you're, you're not spread too thin and you're sort of focused on the things that are important for you. And that's that's got to be a positive. Yeah, and, you know, now it's kind of like it can all work on my schedule completely. It's only myself I can get annoyed at if I'm late on an app. You know, if time is really tight one week for whatever reason, um, a good example this week, Charlie's been sick. So he's been a lot more work. He's not been sleeping so well. Has not really allowed me to sort of crack on as I would particularly have liked to. That's fine. I've got no clients sort of shouting at me and being, you know, where's my stuff? Um, I can just be like, okay, this week's going to be a slow week for my indie apps. Maybe next week will be better. That's fine. I just need to have a quick conversation with myself and be like, you just need to get over this one, buddy. And next week we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get back on with it. And once I've done that, it's fine. And I, it's much more conducive to my lifestyle, I think. It's what I'm trying to say. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFRPodcast and we'll get you signed up. 
So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? Yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com, my latest app to help kids learn to read. You can find at spacereaders.com and on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave Knott.